Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. We've all had times where we're on top of our game. It was like we could sense what others were feeling and thinking and had the right response to every situation. Other times, we're not so in tune with ourselves or others. In this episode, we're going to talk about things that people, including ourselves, do when expressing signs of low emotional intelligence. We'll talk about how to recognize it, what to do if someone is behaving that way, and what to do if that someone is you. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I have been in database purgatory, uh, paying for my sins in the way that I designed some stuff. Um, you know, it's a good design, but it's a little bit hard to deal with in places. And so, like, you know, you build a query up and you look at it and you look at the execution plan and you realize that it scales very poorly. And so you rewrite it and then you look at the execution plan and it's like, okay, this sucks less, but it doesn't give me all the data I need. Then you fix that. <laughs> and then it, it like, I've been, you know, ping ponging between those things basically for the last several days. And it's, it's just kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, other than that, man, things are, things are nice and smooth. I mean, there's a lot of work, but it's not really, not really killing me too bad. So how about you? It's a little Alanis Morissette ironic that I wrote this episode because just today I've been dealing with a person who on a good day tests my patience. But it was one of those cases where I said, hey, there is an issue right here and pointed to where the issue was. They do something completely unrelated and say, hey, did that fix it? No. Here's where the issue is. They look in multiple places, not where I said, and then ask for more specifics. So I say, here is specifically where the issue is. Yeah. And this has been going on for... Almost a month now, and it kind of came to a head today. You know, I, I've, I finally told someone, I was like, I don't even know what to say anymore to this person because I've told them exactly where to look and they're looking everywhere but the place I said. It, it is like I said, hey, the overhead light in the bathroom at your house is out. And they checked all the street lights. They checked all the street lights. And came back and said, I, I don't understand. It's like the overhead light in the bathroom is out. All right. So they go and they flip the breaker and flip it back on and say, hey, I, I flipped the breaker. Did that work? No, the overhead light yeah. in the bathroom is out. Well, I checked all the lights in the bedroom. Yeah. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> that is literally what I've been dealing with, but in more of a programming fashion. Uh, so, yeah, it's been... Stressful to say the least. But what's really crazy is right after all this happened this morning, I'm just sitting at my desk, kind of frustrated and just like, I don't know what to do. So I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to take my lunch break a little bit early and just, you know, go get something to eat. I looked out at my phone and I've got this really encouraging text from a friend of mine. It was like completely unrelated to what was going on. 
but it was just like this really nice text from her. And it's like she knew that I needed it, but like, how could she? She didn't even know what was going on. It's just really like, I don't know, it reset my day. It's it's just sort of funny how that works. So just like something nice from a friend can just like do that to you. Um, but, you know, friends can definitely be kind of an emotional comfort. Uh, we also need physical comforts in our life. And I have something for that in IOTs. How hot or cold you feel has to do more with your skin and temperature sensory neurons than with your core body temperature. Ember Wave is a wearable device that you put around your wrist that will send waves of hot or cold to help you adjust to your environment. Now, this is great for people living together that have different opinions about the thermostat. It works by sending pulses of hot or cold to the higher concentration of temperature-sensitive neurons that are around your wrist. And it has several different modes. So you could use it for kind of like a quick warm-up or cool-down, or more long-term for like being out in extreme weather. It will go for about two to three days between charges, kind of depending on how much you use it. Um, and making it IOTs worthy, it has an app for you to track and adjust it via your phone. It's a really cool product, and I'll have a link to their website in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got another comment on the top five LinkedIn mistakes from Jose saying, I enjoyed this episode so much after my run, I went straight to LinkedIn and updated my profile. That's awesome. He also included a link to his profile that obviously we're not going to share with everyone. <laughs> but hey, Jose, thank you so much. Amber gave us some great tips and insights. I know Will and I both were updating uh, our LinkedIn profiles as we were talking with her and then even more afterwards. But send us an email with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and we're also on Instagram and Tumblr. You can check us out each week on Facebook Live. where We talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. Or join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Emotional intelligence is your ability to recognize emotions and emotional states in yourself and others. It's how well you know the difference between various feelings and use that information to guide your behavior. Emotional quotient, or EQ, is the term used in the measure of emotional intelligence. It was first used in an article by Keith Beasley for the British Mensa magazine in 1987. So we're going to kind of use these terms interchangeably throughout the episode. Emotional intelligence is a bit different from what we think of with like IQ intelligence, where IQ stays fairly consistent throughout a person's life. Your EQ sort of ebbs and flows. You may have times of high EQ when you're on top of your game. Or you may suffer through times when you just can't get it together. There may be situations in your life that are stressing you out, or you may be going through emotionally rough times. 
and not have the ability to maintain that higher EQ. I know Will and I have both experienced times in our lives where we had more or less uh, emotional intelligence. We, we had more capacity to understand our own emotions and the emotions of people around us. In this episode, we're going to look at a few things that people, including ourselves, do when not exhibiting emotional intelligence. For each one, we'll talk about where it comes from and then how to deal with it, both if you are the recipient and if you are the one whose behavior needs to change. Throughout the episode, we talk about people with low emotional intelligence. This is not a set group of people, but could be any one of us when we're not at the top of our game. Right. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is sort of the most obvious here, and that is getting into arguments and refusing to listen to another's point of view. It can be difficult for someone with uh, low emotional intelligence to understand the emotions of others. That's what it means to have low EQ. Uh, this causes them to get into arguments very easily. Yeah, and they don't understand why the other person doesn't see their point of view, and they think that their conclusion is the only logical one or the only correct one uh, that can be reached. Now, most of us have dealt with a person like this in our lives. Some of us have been that person from time I, to time. I would say everybody's been that at some point. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if they've lived very long at all, like you just, you get there. You know, these kind of people know they're right and they will defend their position. Uh, and that can mean ignoring what other people have to say. Uh, you know, a great example of this with coders is, well, it works on my machine. Another one is, that's not how it's built. Yeah. You know, it, it shouldn't be doing that. Or, or this approach to life works for me. Why doesn't it work for you? Yeah, the, these are all kind of attitudes that people, when they have this low emotional intelligence, present. One of my favorite ones is the is the one where somebody will be depressed or something, and somebody tells them, "Well, just don't be depressed." Yeah, like it's that simple. Yeah, like oh yeah, <laughs> totally. I forgot to just I forgot to flip that switch off. That's totally what what happened. You know, like it's it's totally a feature flag that you just got to yeah, flip. Right? Got to toggle it. You know, redeploy the Docker container in my brain. It's fine. Really, it's an environment <laughs> variable. Um, yeah, no. The thing is, this is even worse when these people are arguing about emotions or an emotional event. Yeah, everybody has a bit of analytical overlay to anything, especially when it is an emotional event, mm -hmm. and especially if it is a negative one for yep. one of the parties, and the other party, maybe it isn't. Um, mm -hmm. That can be really, really, it, it could generate a lot of arguments, just put it that way. Yeah, also people with a low EQ tend to be overly critical of how other people feel. Yeah. Why are you crying? You know, what's you wrong with you? Upset. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with you? You shouldn't be upset. You know, that shouldn't cause a problem. Uh, right. And you, you could be totally right from your perspective, but it's very hard to uh, be right from somebody else's. So while it's easy, um, avoiding people who argue too much may not be possible. Um, you could probably start by deleting your Facebook and Twitter accounts, but that's not going to get all of them. If you have authority, assigning them difficult tasks to work alone can generally help reduce the arguments because then the only person they have to argue with is themselves. Yeah, and They probably will argue with themselves, but you don't have to be involved in that. Yeah, or they just go somewhere else. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing with people that are like consistently difficult. 
Um, when you deal with an argumentative person, you need to start by addressing their concern instead of trying to address yours. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to act on it or you're going to do what they want. What you, you need to do is show that they are heard and that you're aware of the issue. That's the key thing here. And like, they may not even realize that that's what they want. Like, they want to know that their concern has been heard. You can set a date or make a plan to work on it or even just to meet and discuss it more in detail. Time tends to cool uh, the heat in arguments. Yeah, although you'll find people, man, that like they sit and stew. Um, you know, oh. we've got a guy that was involved with our homeowners association up until uh, this Friday, this past Friday. And holy crap, this dude is so mad about drainage. I've never seen anybody that mad about drainage that wasn't getting <laughs> actively flooded. Oh, wow. Um, just over the top mad and he's blowing up at everything. And so we're, you know, initially we were like, okay, he'll, he'll cool off. He just gets madder. Yeah. I, I was going to say when I used to teach anger management at the psych hospital, one of the things I talked about is what's the, the biggest thing you hear when you think anger management? That is step back and count to 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happens when I step back and count to 10? I find all the weak spots that I can hit with a chair. <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. that's exactly what happens to yeah, a lot I'm, of those people. I, I am 10 seconds angrier because I haven't dealt with the issue. Yeah. And especially um, with issues that are continuing to cause damage. Right. Like this doesn't work. But if someone says to me, hey, let's set a time to sit down and talk about this issue and to address it. Then between now and that time, I'm going to calm down a little bit, at least, just because I know it's going to be addressed. Something is being done. You're, you're taking action by doing this. Even if that action is to delay the conversation, it's still an action and it, it gives something for that person to latch onto. When this is you, a key component of having higher emotional intelligence is self-awareness. This means being able to recognize your own behaviors in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, a mutual Facebook friend of ours who does combatives, you know, self-defense mm -hmm. combatives, he talks about the number one uh, indicator of getting just thrashed in a fight is being a jerk. He says it a little yeah. bit more poetically than that. <laughs> um, but it, po this is, poetic is a, is a, yeah, this is a PG podcast. So we'll uh, leave that description out. But, um, yeah, that's essentially what he says. And like the lack of self-awareness will do that. I mean, it's really easy to sound like you're extremely angry, um, you know, or, you know, that you're extremely upset or to, uh, minimize the way that you're talking to somebody else. Like you're not mm -hmm. listening to them. And to not even really realize you're doing it until you step back. Yeah. And sometimes you, and we'll talk about this more throughout this, this episode, but sometimes you don't realize that you are coming off a certain way until someone tells you. Yeah. Now, on that note, one thing you can do is to ask a trusted friend or mentor about your behavior and how it's being interpreted by others. Yeah. Because you know? the big thing you want is to have a accurate self-assessment. Right. Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of problems because they have a very inaccurate one. I mean, we talked about this in the April 1st episode, right? Like the reason I was shy, a lot of that was just inaccurate self-image. Yeah. Very, very true. Day. 
on my team at work, I, I'm good friends with our business analyst. And I've asked her, I'm like, hey, if I c- ever come across as rude, uh, and I haven't told you, hey, I'm purposely being rude to get a point across. Yeah. Then call me out on it. I, I, the thing is, I will, I will, I will send her a slack. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be rude here to get a point across. You know, I know what I'm doing, but there are, there are times where I'll say stuff and she'll be like, Hey, I don't think that came across in text the way that you meant for it to come across because I know you're not purposely being rude. So yeah. here's how it was interpreted. And I'm like, yeah, thank I mean, you. I didn't like that. Th- this happened just last week where she sent me something. She's like, Hey, this was, this is how I interpreted that. If I hadn't known you, I'm like, Oh, wow. Thanks. And I was able to go back and kind of like resolve this, this issue before it became an argument. Thanks to having a trusted friend go, Hey, heads up. This is how you're coming across when I didn't even notice it myself. Yeah. And you know, that's actually what caused this blow up with the homeowners association that happened again today was somebody sent an email and I read the email and I didn't read it like this person did, but you know, the person that got mad read it a completely different way because they were already in that state. And sometimes you need to have somebody look at it and go, okay, what state is this person in? How are they going to interpret it? And it can't be you if you're the one that wrote it, probably. The other thing that this will do is it will give you an insight into how others view your behavior. So you also need to avoid making excuses for your own behavior. And let's be honest, it is really easy, at least for me, to get defensive when someone's giving me feedback. Yeah, I think that's kind of normal. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because for a long time I thought it was just me. Um, but well, you're a I bit learned, more vigorous. <laughs> I am. Well, no, what I learned is that it was me because I didn't have those trusted friends. So, like, you give me feedback, not as much, but, you know, I'd get feedback from other people and be like, like in that exact tone. Yeah. I'd growl at them. No, I'm kidding, guys. I wouldn't do that. The other thing you can do is practice taking yourself out of the situation and kind of seeing how you would advise someone else. So if you don't have someone there that you can say, Hey, how, how is this being interpreted or how am I coming across or that, that can call you out and that you trust? Then when you're in situations and it's not going the way you expected, pull yourself out and be like, all right, if I weren't me, how would I advise me? Right. Like, if I were that trusted advisor, what would I tell? And this is this is kind of where you want to get. This is like your your high level um, emotional intelligence is where you can do this for yourself. Yeah, you can recognize I mean, it beforehand. You know, one thing I've had to do, you know, a number of times is just walk away from a situation mm-hmm. because I realized that hey, like this is going to escalate. And uh, I mean, you've seen it. Like if I get mad enough, I escalate real fast. Like, yes, there, you know, there's, there's a point, you know, I, I'm generally like easy going, but there's a point where the line is crossed and I'm extremely aggressive after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know when I start approaching that, that I have to get up and walk away. Um, and I, I've learned that, you know, through long experience that that's better. This happened to me today. All the stuff I was talking about was going on. Like it kind of came to a head. I got a, a slack saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're having some confusion here. I'm going to schedule a, WebEx for you guys to get on and to talk to each other and not just text back and forth. And I just said, Hey, I am not in a state right now where I can do that. Can you schedule it for later in the day so that I have a moment to calm down because I'm really frustrated? 
you know, and then like, this was, like I said, this is the BA that I'm friends with that like, we, we talked about it a little bit and she, she knows me well enough to be like, just be an adult about it <laughs> to me. And I'm like, I am, but I'm telling you right now, it's not a good time. If you can yeah. just schedule it for later in the day. And she did. Um, and ended up resolving itself before it got to the meeting. I was kind of dreading, but, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, yes, be an adult about it, but understand you're not going to like where this foot goes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like she was like, you know, there's, there's no purpose in yelling and stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to yell, but I am going to call people out on, you know, Hey, I told you exactly where to look and you went somewhere completely different from exactly specifically where I told you to go. Like, I'm going to call them out on it. There's that is going to happen. Please give me some time to do that nicely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this was the conversation we had and sometimes you need to do that. So the next one is, um, you know, when you think that other people are too sensitive or easily offended. Um, now there are cases where that is probably true-ish, but mm -hmm. as far as like actually interacting with people, like whether it is or not, doesn't help. Yeah. Um, somebody with really low EQ will tend to make inappropriate jokes or tell them at inappropriate times or inappropriate comments. Yeah. It, it may not even be a joke. It, it's just, you know, a Inappropriate joke is the easiest thing to mentally follow. So that's yeah. the, the paradigm we're going to go with. This is different than trying to lighten a stressful situation with humor, because that's something that Will and I do a lot. And the reason we're good at it now is that all the times we weren't. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. All the times we flopped, it, you know, for me going back to elementary school, probably the same for you. Yeah, let's just say that there have been times where my mouth has put me in situations where I got sudden cardio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is also not uh, telling colorful jokes or like roasting friends in a toast. Like I think of like, I have a friend that is about to get married and I think of, you know, like toasts at weddings and stuff. And that's not what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, basically, what we're getting is appropriately used and understood. Humor can be useful in emotional situations. What this is, though, is an inability to understand the emotional tone of an event. Yeah, there's just times and jokes that people find inappropriate, right? Like most people's funerals, you you don't tell jokes. Now, I had. I've had several friends that, that have passed that were complete pranksters. I had one friend that, you know, told everybody for years he was going to donate his body to science. He told it as a joke, you know, while we were sitting around drinking and he did. And we, we all busted out laughing when we found that out. His widow was laughing too, because she's like, yeah, he, he really wanted to see the looks on your faces when you yeah. found out that he wasn't joking for the last 20 years. Um, but I, for the I, most part, like, yeah, there's places you just can't crack a joke. Um, or you do it too soon. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole too soon meme, but you know, talking about funerals, you remember our friend Jason. Yeah. And you know, his funeral, I, I did, I was part of the eulogy. I got up and I spoke, uh, kind of representing his friends. Like he had family and the church person and there was me speaking for his friends. And his mom was really concerned about what I would say. Cause I'd been friends with him since we were five. And, you know, I was told I was given sort of, sort of guidelines on, you know, no inappropriate things and stuff like that. But you know what? I had people at the funeral laughing 
about the things that we did together and the stupid stuff that we got into because they were remembering the happy times. That's appropriate. Yeah. There are other things that are not appropriate. You know, like joking about his sickness would not have been appropriate at his funeral. Yeah. Or probably really, you know, at all, unless you're trying to lighten the mood for him and probably only him. Um, Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like all the people, do you remember like after Columbine or after 9-11, like -hmm. some of the jokes that just people would say stuff that was just really, really out of line, like stuff like that. You really can't, you really shouldn't be joking about just in general. Like it's probably just now getting to the point where you can make jokes about like Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. And you don't do that if you're Turkish. Yeah. Uh, Even so like that, you know, you you really have to kind of be a little bit careful about even, you know, distant historical events that are loaded like that. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the thing is when someone is going through a time with low emotional intelligence and some people tend to stay there, but um, some people enjoy it. They do. They do. Uh, These people are confused by other people's reactions, like their negative reactions to inappropriate jokes. They're like, I don't get it. Why is this a problem? We've got friends that do that. Yeah. I can think of one in particular that was Mm -hmm. really, really bad about that. And you know, it's not just the jokes, but it's like stuff said in Mm -hmm. meetings and things like that, where you're like, "Ah," you know, especially like in mixed company where it's like super awkward. People with uh, low emotional intelligence, they also have difficulty maintaining friendships. Um, They tend to come off as a bit abrasive and unfeeling. The thing is, close friendships require sharing emotions. You know, like I said, I had a friend that texted me earlier today, um, and she was basically thanking me for for something that I had done that they didn't even end up needing. But it was just like a, hey, I meant to tell you this earlier, but just thanks for putting in the effort. That little thing boosted my day. It, it made my it made my day go from bad to good. Just yeah. a simple thanks. But, you know, it's that sharing of emotions. It was that, hey, what you did, even though we didn't use it, meant a lot. Like, you put time and effort, that meant a lot to, to me. And that's what boosted my day. The thing about friendships is sometimes it means being the emotional support. Um, Will has done this for me recently a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, not as much the last few years, but... You know, when what, four years ago, yeah, probably four to dang almost five. Yeah, it's been a now. while now. Other times, you're the one that needs support. Uh, it's a it's sort of a give and take. It, it, it's a with friendships, it's a give and take where you don't keep track. The whole thing here is that it requires compassion and the ability to understand the emotional needs of others. And when you're emotional quotient or emotional intelligence is low, you don't have that ability to understand the emotional needs of others. Yeah. I I would say a lot of times they don't even, you know, they don't even understand themselves if it's bad enough. So you may have times where you have to deal with somebody who doesn't understand that they're being inappropriate. Uh, The best approach is to pull them aside and, you know, ask them to stop or at least like let them know that what they're doing is not not okay. If it work, you'll usually have an employee handbook or basic uh, HR stuff to kind of back you up. And you can say, Hey, look, this, 
this will get you in trouble here. Please don't do that. Um, if you're in a social setting, you have to kind of explain why it's inappropriate. Um, there's just there's just certain jokes that you don't sell, tell around certain people. There's certain topics that you don't bring up. Um, and you just kind of have to learn what that is. Now, the other thing with that is you generally want to avoid being accusatory when you tell somebody that something's not appropriate. Um, in other words, you you react as if they are not being malicious, but they don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, hey, you might not want to joke about this one thing because so-and-so just lost their their dog. You know, that, that kind of thing is probably a better approach than why did you do that? The, the idea here is to make sure that you're not putting them on the defensive because that is usually not useful for getting uh, a change of behavior out of somebody. They may want to argue with you about the appropriateness of the joke. And if they do, use the strategies in our previous point about arguing. Really, this works best if the person trusts you as socially knowledgeable. Yeah. So you and have if to- they kind of, the other thing too is like, you know, you talked about the give and take. If mm-hmm. you haven't given anything, it's hard to take, mm-hmm. right? Like that's one of the things that I think you see in a lot of online debates where somebody cracks down and somebody goes, oh, that's completely inappropriate. It's like, who do, who are you? Right. Like that, you, you kind of have to have that rapport before you need it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you need to build that rapport and sort of build, I don't, I don't know say, I don't know how to say it, the, um, build that understanding, that knowledge base, like build yourself as the expert there to this person where you may not be like the expert on the subject, but for them, you are. Yeah. Or at least where they see you as reasonable. Next, you want to provide an outlet for their jokes if necessary. Yeah, I've got one or two friends, and one of them is you, yes. um, who I can say some pretty uh, harsh comments to about various things that are just like, you know, that would probably get me punched in the face normally <laughs> uh, with most people. And it's it's not a big deal, right? Like, you're going to have a certain group of friends that you can probably do that with. Yeah. Um, and no. you need to be that for so, some of your other friends, not for all of them. Right. You know, I have friends that, um, no, I am not that for, but I had a friend just the other night, I came home and he was sitting on my porch with a six pack and he just needed someone to talk to, you know, and you, you got to be that person. You got to be the person that they can, they can vent to. It also may be helping them find a forum where they can talk to people who like those kind of jokes. Yeah, so send them to 4chan and turn them loose. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say 4chan is there for a reason, these type of people. Yeah, 4chan is also really good for, you know, like you show show people that and go, okay, this is what happens if you keep pushing the envelope is eventually you belong (laughs) here. Right, right. That's very true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the other thing is this, this happens, I guess, it, from our perspective, a lot kind of at the bar when a friend may have had too much to drink, um, yeah. where they may normally have a higher emotional intelligence or EQ level. Alcohol lowers our inhibitions and our emotional intelligence. Yeah. People tend to say uh, what they're thinking. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. there's... Uh, yeah, I saw a, I saw a church sign. I think it was a church sign, or might have might have been a bar sign. Actually, it's probably a bar sign. And I think about it. Um, it said there's there's three things that are always honest, and it was small children, drunk people, and yoga pants. 
I think that was a bar sign. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, probably was, but I mean, it's true, right? Like, you know, and that's a, uh, that's a dangerous thing about alcohol. Like there's some people that just can't handle it because they, their, Mm -hmm. their inner person really comes out in a bad way. Uh, No, we've kind of talked about having someone you can talk to and in the previous point, someone to, to kind of help set you straight, someone you trust. Um, we have a mutual friend who he's socially awkward and just has some difficulty with social situations. Um, and back when we used to run kind of in the same social circle, uh, we don't really hang out as much anymore. Um, you know, I didn't get married and have kids, so I'm not in the same kind of social situation as him now. But back when, you know, we were all, kind of hanging out and stuff, he would stick his foot in his mouth a lot to the point that he asked me to uh, kick him in the shin if he ever started doing or saying something that was inappropriate. Yeah. And so I did. And then uh, a couple of years later, we hadn't hung out in a bit because I'd moved away and I, I come back and we're hanging out and he starts to say something inappropriate. I kicked him in the shin. He's like, what'd you do that for? I was like, yeah. you asked me to. Years ago. <laughs> And I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we're going to be honest here, right? Yeah. Uh, but what's really funny is as soon as I said, you asked me to, he was like, oh, yeah, thanks. I didn't realize I was doing something I shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, that's, I think the big thing for him too is that, you know, kind of the next thing is you, you got to be aware of the gap between what you intend to say and what others interpret. Right. right? Yeah. So if if you are the one doing this, this is the biggest problem for you. People tend to underestimate the way other people interpret their words and actions. Well, and especially like if you you use like canned phrases. So like mm-hmm. somebody invites you to their wedding and you say, nah, maybe next time. You mean <laughs> the next time they get together, not their next wedding. But right, like right. the way that comes off. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, I'm going to so use that. Uh, <laughs> Just yeah, to mess so with people. They don't like it, especially when you don't mean it. <laughs> Just going to toss that one out there. <laughs> the, the thing is, this creates a gap between what you mean to say and kind of what they hear or what they understand. A common phrase that I hear people use, and Will has used this, I have used this, and I'm purposely trying to not use it anymore, is... Well, if I can understand it, anyone can. Yeah. And what we mean by it when we say that is if I can understand it eventually, then anybody else can eventually understand it yeah. versus it's you know transparently obvious, which is how yeah. the other party takes it. Yeah. People struggling with something, they'll see it and they'll not see that we struggled with it too. They'll just see, oh, they've got it and I don't. So I'm just not smart enough to get it. Yeah. And you got to be really careful about this in things like emails where you say, obviously, blah, 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 because you've been mm-hmm. sitting with a problem for six months and yeah. somebody else doesn't get it and it's it doesn't come off well. Now, sometimes you do this kind of stuff on purpose because someone is the only thing you can think is they're purposely being obtuse. Yeah. You know, it's like if you refer back to, you know, three weeks ago when I said, look at this specific location. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Not that anyone in this uh, conversation has done that today. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens, right? But um, I mean, the thing is, it was done on purpose to bring attention to something. Um, like these, these kind of behaviors, when done purposely, are different than when done unintentionally. And Will was really getting at it with the email. A lot of communication is done over text. Yeah, this mess um, with our homeowners association, none of it would have happened if people had talked face to face. Um, partially because at least some of those people would not be as belligerent because they'd be a little bit afraid to. Like, you know, you're not as nasty face to face. You're really not. Um, the other thing is meaning can be lost. This is especially true when tone makes a difference. Just think of like a joking tone versus a sarcastic one versus a complaining tone and how you could have the exact same text for all three, but completely different meanings. Yeah. And I wonder what a a society would be like that didn't have sarcasm. You ever thought about like what a society would be like without one of these tones and how much information you could not transmit? Oh, wow. And then you think, okay, if I'm writing text, I'm in that society. For less official, more personal messages, emoji can help convey the tonality of a message. So, you know, I told you guys about the friend of mine that sent me the text earlier today. I had done some stuff um, for them, some recording stuff. And uh, when I got the initial message back that, hey, you know, this doesn't fit what we're going for. We're going to go a different direction. So we're not going to use what you sent. Thank you very much. It was like, it was this whole, like, it was a really long email from, from this, from them. It was a group of friends. It was like a long email from them, like thanking me for it. And, but like, thank you, but we're going to go a different direction. So we're not going to use what you sent us. That's cool. I wrote back and I was like, ouch, that hurts right in the vocal cords. Now, from what I said, it should be obvious that I'm joking. But then I used that like weird, like goofy faced emoji to show that I was being goofy. And it came across as, all right, I'm joking. I'm making light of the fact that, hey, I get that, you know, that wasn't what you wanted. Then it led into a whole conversation of, hey, what were you looking for? And that like this back and forth. And I was like, oh, now I get what you're going for and how what I what I created for you wasn't that. And like it, it was it was actually really beneficial, but I used the emoji there to say, hey, what I just said wasn't you didn't actually hurt my feelings. I understand, but yeah. I'm making a joke about it to make you smile and laugh. Well, like the emoji thing, I mean, those came about because text, you know, could not transmit certain signals mm-hmm. effectively. And so we had to create that just like we did with our language, probably, you know, way back there. Like it's it's just it's a necessity. Um, it can be difficult for people, even with higher emotional intelligence, to always know how their words are taken. Um, and just going back to the previous point, a good strategy is to have trusted people you can ask about how you are interpreted uh, and use their feedback to alter the way you say things. So the next one is not having empathy or understanding how others feel. Having a low EQ tends to make you not see the feelings and emotions of others. Like it, people just don't understand why friends and family are angry with them. You know, sometimes significant others kind of play into this a little bit, you know, because they're angry. Sort of the, 
you should know why I'm angry kind of game. Yeah. It's oh. like, you know, I <laughs> that's always a really, really screwy one, too, especially when you watch it. Like, if you've ever observed that at a mall, you're like, oh, you got married because he's good at guessing games. Awesome. You should play charades sometime. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, that's just really not a, a adult method of communication. Yeah. Uh, the problem is with, like, a low EQ, um, they didn't even know you were angry. Those with low emotional intelligence may not even know that a coworker is annoyed at them. Yeah, I've worked with several like this that were just really, really bad, um, you know, popping out with, well, actually, um, mm-hmm. at, you know, really high frequency and, and everybody is irritated at them because they're, they're bringing crap in that doesn't matter. And yeah. they're completely blissfully unaware of it. A lot of times it leads to disciplinary conversations or even actions. And the offender doesn't know that they've done anything wrong. They don't understand why they're getting in trouble. Uh, They may even get frustrated that others expect them to know how they're feeling. Yeah. And again, going back to the HOA thing, there was this whole thing of, well, we're not mind readers. And somebody got mad because we weren't mind readers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and we explicitly stated that. And I get the whole, the the emotional context, but the other people, some of the other people in the conversation didn't, and it just blew up uh, because of that. It's it's weird. I mean, there's people that just cannot put themselves in another person's place. Now, due to this lack of understanding feelings, people with low EQ also have low levels of empathy. So just so we're clear, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. Um, It's more than just being aware of others' emotions. This is being able to experience with them the feelings that they are having. Like feeling happy when they're happy, sad when they're sad. It doesn't mean that you get drawn into those feelings, but that you can celebrate with them or you can, you know, commiserate with them when bad things happen. Right. You're not just completely detached. Right. Um, And that way you react appropriately to the situation. That's, you know, that's the real deal. It makes it difficult for those with a low EQ to see things from another person's perspective. Like they can't understand the way others are feeling. So they're not able to put themselves in the other person's place. Yeah. I mean, you really have to be explicit with your emotions and feelings when dealing with somebody that's got low EQ. And that's really tricky because you end up saying, well, I feel this way. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us are not really all that great at expressing that anyway. Uh, We expect other people around us to be reasonable about picking up on social cues. So when dealing with someone like this, you kind of have to overtly express yourself. They're not going to read into what you're saying. Do not expect them to pick up on nonverbals. Yeah. Explain not only what you're feeling, also why you're feeling it. If Especially if they're trying to improve their emotional intelligence, that's going to help them. Also, it's going to appeal to their sense of logic. While they may not understand why something causes an emotion, uh, they may be more likely to accept it if it's explained. Yeah. And be really careful about how frequently you use the phrase, I feel. Um, if it's used too often, you'll just be ignored as being a touchy-feely person. Um, you know, we had somebody like that at the office before I got there. And management still doesn't like to hear, I feel about Mm -hmm. anything and try not to overload the person with emotional information. Like if they're having trouble with this, like they're not going to be able to process more of it if they can't process what they've already got. Now, if you find yourself having trouble empathizing with others, 
think about how you would feel or act in their situation. You may not know their entire situation. So use the knowledge that you do have to recreate it in your mind. And then in areas that you don't have all the details, just kind of create them based on what you know about the situation or the person. Yeah. And this is also good for asking questions too, right? Like you can get the yeah. blanks filled in. Exactly. Um, so what would you do or say if you were them? This will guide you in understanding their motivations. It'll also help to work toward a mutually beneficial solution when you're working on a problem together or when you're having a disagreement. The thing is, you need to not dismiss how you feel either. You- right. Like if you've ever dealt with a malignant narcissist yeah, as being an, you know, an empathetic person, that really, really goes badly. And it does so because you ignore your own feelings about the situations. You, you kind of have to wear both shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, increasing your EQ means being able to see a situation from your perspective and theirs. And sometimes the best way to empathize is to admit that you have no way of knowing how the person's feeling. I've said that a few times. I'm like, I really honestly don't know what you're going through. I cannot imagine it. So the fourth one is uh, refusing to accept responsibility for your mistakes. And, you know, this is kind of the blame game uh, scenario. It's really hard for people that have low EQ to understand that the way that they handle emotions or the way that they handle situations causes problems for other people. A lot of times their instinct is to blame others when things go wrong. This can be blaming how others act for their own actions. So it's because you did this that I'm doing this thing. Well, like if you ever seen the the movie Misery, right? Like that's a classic example of exactly that. Like you, yeah. that's a crazy person, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately. And, you know, the lack of blame is the feedback loop that creates that. Yeah. The manipulative person might say, you're making me do this. Yeah. Or I'm doing this because you did such and such. Uh, they see themselves as having no other choice. They also perceive others as not understanding their unique situation. Ironically, it's most often caused by them not understanding others' situations. And this can lead to a lot of defensiveness and argumentation. they, They struggle with the difference between fault and responsibility. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly, highly suggest you go watch the Will Smith, like the actor Will Smith did this great video on the difference between fault and responsibility. And I kind of pulled some of the ideas from that. Fault has to do with the cause of the problem. This is the source of the problem. It may be a person. It may be a process. It may be a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, And the thing is, is how you use fault, right? Right. Like if you're using it to go, what was the source of this problem so we can keep it from happening again? That's okay. If we go, who is the source of the problem? That may not be as useful. Um, It can be in really bad circumstances, (laughs) but for the most part, that's not going to get you there. Well, the who may be, who is the source of this problem so we can get them the training that they need? Yeah. It's it's how that information is used. Responsibility has to do with resolving or taking care of the problem. This is the person tasked with finding and implementing a solution. It may or may not be the cause of the problem. You'll see this a lot with developers too, because like they'll, they'll look at old code and they'll go, well, this isn't my fault. I didn't write this. 
And that's mm-hmm. true, right? What they're trying to say is, hey, I don't want to catch the blame for this. But what gets heard is, I don't want to take responsibility and fix this code. And, you know, I've seen that dynamic play out several times and it's, it's never pleasant for anybody. Now, occasionally the person at fault is also the one responsible for resolving the problem. Most time, if it's a person at fault, they're not there anymore. Yeah. Or they're, or they were incapable of fixing it, right? Like a lot of people are capable of causing more trouble than they can actually fix. The thing with this is a person with low emotional intelligence tends to focus on the fault and not the resolution. This cripples them kind of with a victim mentality, such as there's nothing I can do about it. Like they can't work toward a solution because they're so focused on who's at fault. Now it can be difficult working or dealing with someone who doesn't take responsibility for their own mistakes. A lot of times, they don't want to even admit that there's a problem. The it's working the way it's supposed to work, even though that's not how it needs to work mentality. Yeah. Or, you know, I can, I'm not a, I'm not alcoholic. I can quit anytime. Yeah. Right. That's the same kind of thought process. It's like, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to admit that there's a problem because admitting there's a problem puts the onus on me to do something. Mm-hmm. You may have to address it as if it's not their fault, but you need their help solving it. Uh, this strategy also works well to get buy-in on improvements, education things. Then there's the case where things are just magically fixed. This happens when the person recognizes the problem, but they're not willing to admit to the fault. Something that was broken will just suddenly start working. Or uh, a had- relationship will suddenly get better and you're like, what? What happened? This is a problem because then you're not able to learn from the mistakes. So like if there's something that's broken and then suddenly it's fixed and you get a, all right, try it now, which is what I hear all the time. I'm like, try it now. I was like, okay, well, what did you do? How did you fix it? And then I hear nothing back because they don't want to admit, well, I messed this one thing up. And that that is more of a problem because then you don't learn from the mistake. People like this have trouble learning and growing as developers. There can be a bit of kind of self-righteous know-it-all. Yeah, I've had interactions with people like that that, you know, talked about some, you know, really old language and how it's better than the new stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if it's better, why aren't people using it to solve problems anymore? The thing is, they'll ignore even glaringly obvious signs that they're at fault. And unfortunately... It takes being called out or kind of thrown under the bus sometimes before they see their own faults. Yeah, I think that's something that's really critical and understated, too, is, is how often you have to let people fail so mm-hmm. that they can learn. The thing with this is you have to be careful not to make them defensive. A lot of times that means complimenting one area and asking for improvement in another. You're talking about the crap sandwich approach? Yeah. You did really good at this, um, but I'd like to see some improvement at this other thing. Um, you know, even, even though you're doing well at this other third thing, yeah. you know, the, uh, another know thing, heard it called that before. <laughs> another thing, it's something that, that I've seen used even on me is, Hey, this is really impressive. Like for, for someone that is only a few years into it, this is wow. Wow. You're really ahead of the game. Would you like to see how to make it even better? Now you want to talk about getting buy-in from me as someone who is, whose love language is words of affirmation. You tell me I'm doing something awesome and then offer to make what I'm doing awesome better. 
you got my buy-in. I'm I'm hooked at that point. It's a great way to start a conversation too, especially with someone with lower EQ. You can also ask for their input on how to improve or solve the problem. Yeah, so, sometimes people will come out and go, you know, I screwed up. Yeah. After they talk it through, it's almost like the the rubber ducky thing. It, it really is. It is. Now, this one can be one of the most difficult areas to work on yourself because you know, a lot of times it's not your fault. You know, your app may be failing because of a service you're calling. You may be waiting on someone else to finish something so you can continue. There's a lot of reasons why it may not be your fault legitimately. And this However, goes even outside of programming, right? Like you may just be broke and you can't fix the problem. Yeah, that's very true. However, it may be your responsibility to deal with it. That's where the key is. If you're getting errors from a service call, then you have to handle them and kind of make a failover for that. Like it's your responsibility to handle those errors coming back. Well, you know, this is kind of, this is weird and meta, but like the way that you're having to deal with a service is very similar to the way that you have to deal with somebody with low EQ Mm -hmm. in this scenario, right? Like you got to figure out, you know, like the onus is going to be on you because you're stuck in the conversation and the interaction and you're going to have to deal with the weird way that they are approaching things, even if it doesn't completely make sense. Speaking of making sense, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, So, this takes a lot of introspection to determine kind of and understand what you need to work on. Yeah, admitting mistakes is really difficult, um, especially for a lot of people, um, especially when people grew up in environments where if you admitted a mistake, you know, they really drop the hammer on you. Mm Because, like, you know, you and I both have been in work environments or interpersonal relationships where if you admit to a screw up, like you're just getting jumped yeah. worse. And so, you know, people don't want to make themselves look bad and they don't want to admit any kind of fault because it it's not just the responsibility, but it's like a lot of negativity and, you know, problems. Um, the thing is, admitting and accepting fault for our failures is how we learn and grow. The other th- important thing to say here is don't admit or accept fault that is not yours. While you may be responsible for fixing it, if you didn't cause it, don't take on that fault. Right. And that's like talking about previous developers code that's absolute crap. Go, yeah, I found this crappy code and I fixed it. You don't say I wrote it. So guys, emotional intelligence is something that we have to work at to maintain. These are not meant to be a way for you to go out and point fingers at people saying they have low EQ. However, they're for you to look at yourself and see areas where you need improvement. Reflect back on times when you've done these things or look at how you could improve. You you don't have the power to change the past, but you can make a positive change for your own future. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, you know, the whole thing of uh, finding blame, uh, it's, it's really weird when you start unpacking how people do that. It's kind of like the love languages thing, right? Like there's, there's more than one understanding of what you do with blame. So like some people are like, hey, I'm going to take the blame and I'm absolved of the problem, you know, like I have admitted it and that's washed away because I admitted it. 
And then you have people that are like, oh, if I take the blame, then all of a sudden I've got all this extra work or people are going to hate me. You have other people that go, well, you know, I'm not going to take the blame ever because that, you know, that reduces my power, essentially. Um, And then you'll have people that kind of have like these weird uh, in-between things where like you can tell that they know that there is blame and that they're accepting that their part of it was there, but they will not ever say anything about it. And it's this kind of weird dichotomy. You almost have to figure out like how the person you're talking to thinks about blame before you discuss it. And that's just something that's really valuable to start kind of poking at and seeing what you get out of it with the people that you're around. Because by the time, by the time you're in a situation where you need to determine who's at fault for something, you know, who to blame, it's probably the wrong time to figure out that, oh, hey, my coworker will never accept responsibility. Like you need to know that going in so that you can have appropriate expectations. So just wanted to throw that out there as something that's a little bit useful and may take a little bit to unpack. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.